0: Hey, Ken Krachuk here, and welcome to episode 22 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. So why stop now? We have a revolutionary episode planned for you today. And like all episodes of The Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we are an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com. And you can listen in afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, or whoever your favorite podcast provider may be. Today for the You Part, we have a cool follow-up from Bernie and some new questions on Deanna's law and maybe a co-host? After that, part two is all about them. Each episode, we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental challenges facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today is 100% human, excuse me, 100% political and 0% human. No, no, not an AI taking over the world, Mr. Musk. Our guest is an often overlooked celebrity the Pennsylvania Constitution. After that comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it's my turn, your caster, Ken Crawchuk. I'll be focusing on a particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today's rant, dangerous government education and how to stop it. And throughout the show, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to narrate our live commercials and whatever comes into our mailbag. Today we have with us a unique combo Mother son combo. We have Dodie Preston and her son Josh. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, do- Dodie.
1: Hi, Ken. Thank you.
0: Josh, welcome. Hi, how you doing? Cool. Dodie, let me ask you, what do you like about being a Toastmaster?
1: I think the question is, Ken, what don't I like about being a Toastmaster? <laughs> oh, nice. I have loved being a Toastmaster. It has taught me so much about how to speak, how to present myself. Um, in front of a crowd, mm-hmm. even in, around the table. And to just be present and listen and ask questions. And oh, it's been amazing. I know. Thank you. You're welcome. Changed yeah. my life too. Yeah, really has.
0: Before we get into the mailbag, I have yet another Ranger story to add to my rant that I did at the end of episode 19 and my brother in law's story at the beginning of episode 21. Because last weekend, my wife and I were camping at Sizerville State Park up in Potter County, north central Pennsylvania. Beautiful part of the state. God's country, they call it, and for good reason. There was one evening we were there and the ranger came into our site. Now, of course, I was concerned. We had a huge campfire going. I mean, it was so big you could see it from space. <laughs> you know what he said? Whoa, you guys are going to be nice and warm tonight, aren't you? I was expecting something nasty, but no, nothing nasty like other rangers had done. Instead of needlessly complaining, he proceeded to tell us all about a nature film he was going to be showing that night. You know, we saw him again the next day, and he was out there playing with some kids in the local playground. They were having a great time. The kids and the ranger were laughing together. They had some kind of a whiteboard, and they're drawing animal pictures and stuff. You know, to my mind, that's what a ranger should be. Absolutely. Nothing like the horror stories I told in episode 19. I don't know this ranger's name, but I just wanted to publicly thank him for being a model ranger. Somebody give that guy a raise. He definitely deserves it. Now, let's dig into the mailbag. And remember, our mission here is not just to complain, but also to explore solutions. What do we got today, Dodie?
1: Well, we have a reply from Bernie McCann in Ellsworth City, Pennsylvania. Bernie writes, You really made mincemeat out of my question about copycat legislation. (laughs) Although, I I admit I have never tried mincemeat. And, of course, I couldn't be on the show to counter what I thought were your absurd, unworkable solutions... This idea of separating society and state has cruel elements to it that you simply refuse to accept. That's what I can't understand about your libertarian politics. Look, I pay the sewer bill each month, and it's way high. I mean, you'd think we had a municipal pool in this house, but the sewer people, sounds like a B movie from the 50s, got to collect, and when they expanded the project, I'm sorry, when they expand the project, tearing up concrete, dr- concrete driveways and making a general mess, temporary improvement, permanent inconvenience, as you used to say. Yep. They apply for a grant from the feds, as typically the EPA, if nobody is paying taxes to fund that EPA, except for the few dimes taped to envelopes sent in by an organization called Society, then the sewer people will go bust. When that happens, I'll be writing a letter to the libertarian governor from the top of the mountain of sewage.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for the re- reply, Bernie. My first question to you would be to ask, what do you mean by absurd, unworkable solutions? If you gave an example, that would be, that'd be nice. But you know, without it, I can't really comment on your comment, except that it just sounds like an ad hominem. To summarize what I said at the beginning of episode 18, what you derogatively call copycat legislation, I call tried-and-true legislation. Because if something works in another state, why would we not want to use it here? There's also a pro-business side to what you call copycat legislation, tried-and-true legislation. Tried-and-true, I can say it, legislation. It harmonizes the rules from state to state, and that makes it easier to do business across state lines. I see nothing absurd or unworkable in that. And in the same vein, when it comes to the separation of society and state that I spoke about at length in Episode 17 I don't know what cruel elements you're talking about that I'm refusing to accept. Well to summarize the whole separation of society and state topic very briefly, all the well-meaning societal programs currently administered by the state and paid for by the way by tax dollars, it should be spun off into a separate voluntary organization called society. There's quotes for here on that too. Society be cheaper and more responsive to the needs of the people. And in my mind, the only people who would be harmed by it probably are the people who currently milk the system. That would be much tougher to do in a voluntarily funded society than in a compulsory tax-funded state. Bernie, I'd say go back and listen to episode 17 and please come up with some clear examples. Better yet, read my novel, Atlas Snubbed, which goes into all the details of how society would work. You can find out more about that at atlassnubbed.com and listen to the upcoming commercial too. As for your B-movie sewer people, great line, looking for EPA grants, <laughs> this is another classic example of solving, of, excuse me, of not solving the right problem. Because if I have a sewer problem, why should I turn to the taxpayers to pay for it? Or even to a voluntarily funded society for that matter, dimes or no dimes. If it's my sewer, I should pay to fix it, don't you think? And then if you're going to use tax dollars, there's that inefficiency of government spending, Because for every tax dollar you send to Washington, the vast majority of it gets eaten up by the bureaucracy. You're lucky if you get a dime on the dollar back from any federal dollar you send in. So the last thing you want to do is use federal dollars for anything. Because if you use local dollars, you could help 10 times as many people accomplish 10 times as much or even more. So there's more homework for you, Bernie. Hope you can come back to me with some specific answers.
1: Okay, next we have uh, an email from Ralph McKittrick, and he's in Slatington, PA. <coughs> Excuse me. What are your thoughts on Deanna's Law?
0: Deanna's Law. You know, I always love the idea of personalizing laws like that by naming them after the victims. Megan's Law, Paul's Law, fill-in-the-blank law. It all makes it personal and easier to market because people can remember it easier. For those of you who may not know, Deanna's Law is named after a woman, Deanna. She was killed by a drunk driver who had five prior DUI arrests. The guy just got out of prison from his most recent conviction. And Deanna's law, actually it's not a law yet, it's still just a bill, it would target repeat offenders like this guy who have high blood alcohol levels. What it does is it toughens the penalties, such as requiring a breathalyzer on a car for longer periods of time, impounding the car if there's a subsequent arrest, requiring a special ankle bracelet that monitors blood alcohol level. Isn't that clever? Yeah. I tell you, my heart goes out to Deanna's family and any family that suffers that kind of a loss. But, you know, let's take a step back. And Rather than solving the problem correctly with fancy ankle bracelets, what's the correct problem that we want to solve here? Obviously, the problem is to protect the rights and property of the citizens all the time. That's the role of government. And Not meaning to sound negative or heartless or anything, I'm not sure we need a law like Deanna's law. There's already a law against killing someone, regardless of the presence of alcohol. But what about the lead-up to guys like this? Somebody's got five DUI convictions, and now he's got a sixth. First question is, why was he out of jail? Deanna's mother asked the same question. The guy's clearly a danger to us all. And it'll forget the fancy ankle bracelet. Forget the breathalyzer in the car. Why are we letting this guy drive a car at all? For that matter, why are we letting him drink? Good grief. Clearly, the problem to be solved here is about the sentencing. Let me turn again to my novel, Atlas Snubbed. In it, I mention a unique approach to all sorts of crimes, not just drunk drivers, but a lot more. The answer is in the oxymoronically named can't license. A can't license. The way it works is if you're found guilty of any sort of crime involving any sort of item— as part of your sentence, you get a can't license related to that item. So, for example, if you get caught driving drunk or any sort of driving offense, you get a can't drive license. And if we catch you driving, we toss your butt in jail. And look at the case in hand with Deanna here, with this guy on his sixth DUI, we should give this guy a can't drink license. Clearly, the guy can't handle his alcohol. And we catch him drinking, we're going to throw his butt in jail. Now here, maybe that fancy ankle bracelet bracelet could be a big help, because if it detects any alcohol, why not have it automatically call the cops, and then toss his butt in jail? can licenses would work against a whole host of issues. Gun offenders, we get a can't carry license if they're an idiot with their gun. Bad frackers, we can give them a bad uh, give them a can't frack license. You get the idea. So I would say the correct solution here is not to pile law upon law upon law. Let's target that bad behavior directly. And the best way that I know how to do that is with a can't license.
1: Next, Ken, we have our email from Karen Flam. That's F-L-A-M, and she's from Media PA. Karen would like to know, how can I become your (laughs) (coughs) co-host?
0: I laughed when this one first came in. It's a good question. Let me give you some background. Karen was our Toastmaster narrator of episode 21 of the Pennsylvania Project. And she had all sorts of comments she wanted to make during the show. And uh, you know, I haven't spoken to her since the show. It's, it's only been a week. But I'm guessing this is what triggered her question. The fact that she thinks that I need a co-host. Interesting. You know, thinking about it, I'm not sure it's that's really that bad of an idea. Certainly liven things up a little bit to have some additional input, live input. Not just from Karen, but hey, how about Bernie? Let's get Bernie in here, right? Or some of the students from the Drexel Toastmasters we've had on, because some of those guys and girls are really straining at their leashes, wanting to interject something. You hear me, Ariel? (laughs) Not sure I'd want anybody interrupting me, though, when I'm ranting about something that sticks in my craw, but it could be interesting to have a co-host, somebody to act as devil's advocate when reading a listener's question, and... Maybe by interacting with some of our distinguished guests. I'm not sure. I haven't thought it through yet. I'm not sure of all the details, but, you know, in the face of it, it could be a good idea, Karen. I haven't had a chance to discuss it with my producer yet either, but I will, and we'll see what develops. Well, you know, that's going to have to do it for the you portion of the show. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, we'll be visiting with today's guest, the Pennsylvania Constitution.
2: Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed available at all online bookstores or through atlistsnubbed.com Read it today before it's too late.
0: Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, caster for the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job. At least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me! I joined Toastmasters, and now I have my own radio podcast. So turn your life around like I have. Visit toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome, and be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org. Hey, Ken Crotzak here again, and welcome to the "Them" portion of Episode 22 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and/or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, my guest today is 100% political, about as political as they get, and zero percent human. It's the Pennsylvania Constitution. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the Pennsylvania Constitution. You may not have met it before. In fact, it's highly unlikely that you've ever met it before. That's why our guest today is the Pennsylvania Constitution. It has much to say if anyone chooses to listen. It's filled with political dynamite. So let me today walk you through some of the high points, things that they never taught you in school. Why? Why the Pennsylvania Constitution is a guest? Because it's being ignored, violated, and gutted by the politicians in the two old parties, and oddly enough, most of the third parties on a daily basis. And worst of all, it's not being taught in our schools. I just asked Josh before the show started, and he says, nope, he never heard of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why? Why would they teach it? What are they afraid of? Do you know, a reading of Article One of the Pennsylvania Constitution gives a clear answer. Ready? Article One is called the Declaration of Rights. It's much similar to the Federal Bill of Rights, only it's much, much more powerful in keeping an oppressive government at bay. Much of Article One was authored by William Penn, and the founding father of Philadelphia, of, of Pennsylvania. I'll get it right. Much more was added by ben, by Pennsylvania's most famous citizen, Ben Franklin. For the most part, Article I was written in simple terms so that the average person can understand it, if the average person ever bothered to read it, that is. There are 28 sections in Article I that deal with the basis of Pennsylvania government. I'm going to read today some of the best parts, but I want to start with the most important part, Section 25, quote, to guard against transgressions of the high powers which we have delegated, we declare that everything in this article is accepted out of the general powers of government. And shall forever remain inviolate. In other words, there are things that the government is forever forbidden from touching. Why do you suppose they don't teach our children that? Hmm, never told us that. I'll hold my calls, please. Thank you. But what is it they can't touch? What sort of things are in there? Brace yourself as we walk through Pennsylvania's Declaration of Rights. We'll start at the beginning Article 1, Section 1. All men are born equally free and independent and have, a, have certain inherent and indefeasible rights, among which are enjoying and defending life and liberty, of acquiring and possessing and protecting property and reputation, and of pursuing their own happiness. Is that cool or what? It's nothing more than a restatement of the basic libertarian philosophy that your life is yours, your property is yours, that you have the right to live your own life your own way, provided you respect the rights and property of others. But are all people equally free and independent? Well, yeah, unless you're a horse racing fan looking for a $400 million tax break, which they get. Or a millionaire sports team owner looking for a stadium at the public expense, which they get. You can acquire and possess property, assuming you don't have it all confiscated as asset forfeiture without ever being convicted of a crime. Which happens. Yes, you can pursue your own happiness, so long as it doesn't involve gambling. Certain types of sexual behavior, smoking marijuana, or a thousand other moral choices that harm no one at all, if anyone, except maybe the person who indulges in that behavior. And heaven forbid you ever try practicing law without the permission of the Pennsylvania Bar Association. And don't get me started about them again. You can listen to my rant about them at the end of episode 17 about that fascist organization if you really want to learn more. Now, do you see why they don't teach the Pennsylvania Constitution? It's political dynamite to tell citizens that their life is their own, that property is their own. People may start thinking it's a free country again. And that's only Section 1. It gets better. Section 2 says, All political power is inherent in the people, and all free governments are founded on their authority and instituted for their peace, safety, and happiness. For the advancement of these ends they have at all times— an inalienable and indefeasible right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they may think proper. Alter or reform our government? If you ask any politician, judge, or lawyer if Pennsylvanians have the right to initiative and referendum, they'll say no, not unless the legislature authorizes it. Wait a minute. Section 2 plainly states that we the people can, at all times, change or even abolish our state government as we see fit. More political dynamite. What if people in Pennsylvania were aware of the immense power that they hold? What changes would we see? Term limits? Lower taxes? Better roads, which is still the number one complaint here on the Pennsylvania Project? Until now, there's no way of knowing. But as the Libertarian Party continues to grow, with third largest hands down, we outnumber all the other third parties put together, that day is coming when we will soon find Next up, Section 3 of the Pennsylvania Constitution that protects religious freedoms, something that most Americans take for granted, except if you're you're Middle Eastern descent. Section 3 says, in part, no man can be compelled to attend, erect, or support any place of worship or maintain any ministry against his consent. No human authority can, in any case whatever, control or interfere with the right of conscience. But somehow this doesn't apply when you choose to refuse vaccinations on religious grounds, as I discussed at length in episode 18. Nor does it apply if you happen to be a traditionalist minister who chooses not to marry same-sex couples or the baker who chooses not to bake their wedding cake. Somehow your religious freedom got tossed over your shoulder along with the bride's bouquet, didn't it? Or should I say the groom's bouquet? I don't know, I can't keep up with it all. And why is the government involved in marriage at all? That was the subject of my rant at the end of episode 6 and at the beginning of episode 16. And you know, I still don't have an answer why government is involved. Section 5, near and dear to my heart, it says, quote, all elections shall be free and equal, unquote. But all elections are not equal, not by a long shot. For instance, the two old parties, they put their governor candidate on the ballot with 2,000 signatures from registered voters. But historically, libertarians, independents, and the other challenger parties must collect over 20,000 signatures to qualify, over 10 times as many. Is that equal? And there have been cases where the number was over 67,000 signatures, over 33 times as many. How can you call that equal? Apparently, some people are more equal than others, as they say in Animal Farm. I don't know. Why? Why do they impose the high hurdles on the ballot? Whatever the reason, the result is to limit competition, limit new ideas, limit the power of people over their own government. Two old parties entrench themselves, create an effective monopoly on the ballot box. Unfortunately, it's clearly unconstitutional. Section 6. Trial by jury shall be as heretofore. Now that wording kind of obscures one of the most powerful tools that we citizens have against an overbearing government the power of jury nullification. That refers to the traditional power of jurors to judge not only the facts of a case, but also the law. In other words, if you as a juror feel that certain laws should not be applied in a certain case, or if you feel it's a bad law, you can find the person not guilty no matter how compelling the evidence, no matter what the instructions in the judge are. Jury nullification was used successfully to help end prohibition and slavery if the people were helping runaway slaves. William Penn used it to ensure his religious freedom in England, and we can use it today in America, in Pennsylvania, to stop the most egregious excuses our government has. Now do you see why the Pennsylvania Constitution is not being taught in our schools? What if the people knew they had the power to vote their conscience when sitting on a jury? What if they knew that the judges' instructions were flawed and incomplete? What would happen if the citizens knew that they were the fourth branch of government charged with keeping watch over their own freedoms? I talked about jury nullification at length in my rant at the end of episode 11, and I did a lot of it now. I'm just going to keep right on going if I keep this up. But you know, I'm going to pause right there. My guest today is the Pennsylvania Constitution. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk. And you're listening to The Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information.
3: Thinking about getting your first tattoo? Maybe you're ready to add that sleeve you started, or to cover up that one regretful choice. Put Sam C. and his team of artists at Iron Will Tattoo Club in Glenside, PA, at the top of your list. The team at Iron Will has plenty of designs to choose from. They can create an original design or work with a design that you provide. Call 267-893-7625 today or schedule your free consultation. That's 267 8 rock! or visit them on Instagram at Iron Will Tattoo Club.
1: Do you have the financial freedom that you imagined you would have? At AJ Freedom Financial, we are dedicated to serving you while helping you achieve your financial goals. We offer planning and investment advice on everything from college and retirement planning to a rollover 401k. Please call 866-383-6899 to learn more. The top priority at AJ Freedom Financial has always been and always will be our clients. 866-383-6899. 866-383-6899. Call AJ Freedom Financial today to talk to a qualified professional. 866-383-6899. That's 866-383-6899. AJ Freedom Financial, helping Pens- Pennsylvanians achieve financial freedom from the man. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Gradient Securities, LLC. Member FIN RA slash SIPC insurance products and services are offered through AJ Freedom Financial. AJ, AJ Freedom Financial is not affiliated with Gradient Securities LLC.
3: Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenwhirley.com. That's Stephen, with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y, dot com.
1: The Green Party of Pennsylvania are grassroots activists, environmentalists, advocates for social justice, nonviolent registers, and regular citizens who have had enough of corporate-dominated politics. Their goals are to promote green values by organizing communities, guiding legislation, providing viable new political options, and making government more participatory for all peoples. For more details, contact the Green Party of Pennsylvania at... 717-839-2395 717-839-2395 or locate them online at gpofpa.org
0: Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again and we're back with episode 22 of the Pennsylvania Project and our unusual inhuman guest the Pennsylvania Constitution We've gone through about half of the good parts of article 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution otherwise known as the Declaration of Rights. So let's pick up with Section 8, which says, quote, The people shall be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and possessions from unreasonable searches and seizures. (laughs) I guess this does not apply to Philadelphia with their stop-and-frisk policy or the one where they steal your car on the spot, excuse me, confiscate your car on the spot if it's not registered. And how secure are you against unreasonable searches if you come across a DUI checkpoint in the middle of the night? I went on at length about DUI checkpoints in Episode 9. They're totally unnecessary. Even the FBI has has said that roving patrols are more effective and cheaper. You know, there's another case where the government can seize all of your worldly possessions even though you've never been convicted of a crime. Never set foot in a courtroom. Never hurt a soul. They call it... Asset forfeiture I call it highway robbery They started using this in their insane war on drugs By stealing the assets of drug dealers So that they wouldn't be able to afford to defend themselves Where's that at? But you know it didn't take long For them to turn it against we the people Like the case of Shorty's Bar In Allentown Shorty's having some problems The guys were doing drugs in his bar And they wouldn't listen to him And he said knock it off So he called the cops He said hey they're doing drugs here And the cops came, and they took care of the drug dealers, and they seized Shorty's bar. They said, hey, you knew there was drug dealing going on in there? So according to the law, we're allowed to seize your your place. Poor Shorty, he went through years trying to get it back. And you know, I, I have not yet heard the end of that. It's crazy. And then they started using it against Johns looking for prostitutes in Philadelphia. They'd steal their cars. Asset forfeiture. And that money all goes into these anonymous accounts, which gets distributed back to the counties. Sounds kind of incestuous there, you know? Fortunately, asset forfeiture is a travesty that a libertarian governor can halt unilaterally without the consent of the legislature or the courts. Article 4, Section 9 of the Pennsylvania Constitution gives the governor the power to remit all forfeitures. So why don't we elect a libertarian governor? We would stop all this nonsense overnight. Asset forfeiture. Hmm. So much for being secure. Article 1, Section 9, The Right of the Accused in Criminal Trials. Quote, In all criminal prosecutions, the accused has the right to be heard by himself and his counsel, to demand the nature and cause of the accusation against him, to meet the witnesses face to face, to have a speedy public trial by an impartial jury of the vicinage, he cannot be compelled to give evidence against himself, nor can he be deprived of his life, liberty, or property, unless by judgment of his peers. Well, I don't know what happened? What? How does what Somehow this does not apply when it comes to red light cameras or, or DUI checkpoints. They assume you're guilty at a DUI checkpoint. I mean, if you're driving at night, does that mean it's grounds for thinking you're drunk? Give me a break. Section 13. Quote, excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel punishment inflicted. You know, I read that, and I was wondering, how do they get away with their cruel, mumbo-jumbo leading procedures? Or the incredibly expensive attorneys with a monopoly on the practice of law? As I mentioned, if you try and practice law, the Bar Association comes down on you and throws you in jail. I ranted about this at length, if you want to hear about it, at the end of Episodes 14 and 16, had a lot to say. And I also talked about it with our guest in episode 12. He was an actual attorney. And a couple of times he said, I think I don't want to answer that. <laughs> Welcome aboard, huh? Man, oh, man. I re- when I read it about it, I was asking, what's the solution? How do we get around this? I'm still looking for an answer to that one. Nobody sent one in, and I haven't come up with one. But of all of it, Article 1, the one provision that really stands out alone for me in its sheer impact is section 21, which says, and I don't even have to read this. I have this one memorized. The right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of himself and the state shall not be questioned. Think about that. The right to bear arms shall not be questioned. How then do they justify their carry permits, their gun registries? Somebody should tell this to the hunters. Tell it to the residents of the inner cities who huddle in fear. Maj Touré, running for Philadelphia City Council, is actually going to the inner cities, and he's teaching gun safety in the inner cities. See, there's a guy who knows what Article One, Section 21 says. Somebody should talk to the rest of our politicians about this and ask them if they have any questions. I sure don't have any questions. I mean, I was all over that topic in Episode 4. And, you know, during the 2002 governor race when I ran against Ed Rendell... In one of the debates, we were allowed to ask each other questions. And I said, Ed, I told him, right your arm shall not be questioned. And I said, I'm gonna, and Ed was calling for limits on gun purchases. I said, Ed, who are you going to betray, your oath to the Constitution or your friends in the gun lobby? He smiled at the camera and said, I think we could have reasonable limits on gun purchases. They don't even try and hide the fact that they're violating the Constitution. And most people don't notice it because most people have never heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution, let alone read it. Can you imagine if this was being taught in schools? Can you picture a child watching the evening news with their parents when some oath-breaking politician like Ed Rendell calls for banning certain weapons? Can you picture the child asking in their innocent way, but daddy, why are they questioning our right to bear arms? But mommy, the Constitution says the right can't be questioned. How would you answer that? How would you answer, Ed Rendell? I just shook my head. Here's another goodie. We're out of Article 1 now, by the way. All those are removed from the power of government forever. Guns, the searches, the seizures, the DUI checkpoints, gambling, the marijuana laws, all those things. They have absolutely no right to do any of it. Any of it. So let's move further back. Article 2, Section 8 is about legislators' pay. It says, quote, the members of the General Assembly shall receive such salary and mileage for regular and special sessions that shall be fixed by law and no other compensation whatever, whether for service on upon committee or otherwise. No other compensation whatever. Salary and mileage only. Where do they get their taxpayer-funded cars, their office space, the staff, their ridiculous pensions, the walking around money, the other expenses they have? must be nice being a legislator and lining your pocket like that. It's all unconstitutional, of course. They laugh out at these guys. Here's another one they laugh at. Article 2, Section 16, not much further down, about legislative districts. Quote, The Commonwealth shall be divided into 50 senatorial and 203 representative districts, which shall be composed of compact and contiguous territory as nearly equal in population as practical. Yeah, right. Can you say gerrymandering? They say it all the time. Too often. They do it all the time. So much so that a few years ago, the Supreme Court stepped in and they drew their own map of the congressional districts. They were annoyed with the gerrymandering. So what they did? They stepped in and did their own. Even though Article 3, Section 17 explicitly gives that power to the legislature, not to the courts. What can you do when the Supreme Court does not follow its own constitution? Tell me. Tell me if you know. See, nobody knows that this, this is in here. Here's another cute one. Article 3, Section 3. Quote, Every bill shall be considered on three different days in each house. Huh. Do you remember the midnight pay raise of 2005? In the middle of the night, the legislature passed their own pay raise and somehow three days were compressed into that one night I, albert einstein must have been there or something i don't know but that was cool because the entire commonwealth rose up against that one. Oh man in the end the voters tossed out believe it or not a sitting supreme court justice and almost removed a second one it serves them judges right they should have gotten rid of all of them but there are only two of them up for election that year pa clean sweep the organization was called grassroots organization that did this well, didn't take long for the legislatures, legislators, to see the error of their ways, and you know they repealed that pay raise. Nice of them, but you know what's the funny part? They did that in the middle of the night too, and without three days of consideration. <laughs> Do you believe this? I don't. You can't make this stuff up. Uh, I'm telling you, I can go on and on as if I haven't already, because here, here's another one: Article Three, Section Ten. We're still in Article Three. Quote, all bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives. Seems simple, no? Just have to start in the House. Well, except for Act five hundred eleven of nineteen sixty five, that's the one that levies all those local nuisance taxes, the business taxes, those earned income taxes, half percent, one percent they do for the schools, and a bunch of other little ones. But if you look up that act in a law library, right up front, on page one it says it's a Senate bill. How did that happen? I don't know. It's illegal right on the face of it. Page one. Senate bill. If you're tired of paying those nuisance taxes, here is an easy case to win. I go on that at great length with our guest in episode three. Who was that guest? Gary St. Fleur. He's running for mayor of Scranton right now in a special election. He quoted from Act 511 of 1965. And he pointed out how the mayor up there was corrupt. He had the mayor removed. That mayor is currently sitting in jail. This is how bad Act 511 of 1965 is. It's got huge holes in it. Check it out. Go go, take a look at it. Still with me? Because there's a lot more. I'm watching the clock here. I I get it all in. Because there's too many examples, far too many examples of how the two old parties have trashed the Pennsylvania Constitution. For example as if we need another article 3 section 15 no money raised for the support of public schools of the commonwealth shall be appropriated to be used for the support of any sectarian school somehow they've stretched that they pay for parochial schools school books for their school buses for teacher certifications for testing a whole bunch more all this spending they're appropriating for sectarian schools how can they do this I know how. They've given up on following the Constitution. It's that simple. I mean, am I making this up? This is like simple, straightforward language, and they're doing the exact opposite. And here's another one, Article 8, Section 11, the gas tax. It says, this is a long one. I should probably condense this down. All proceeds from gasoline and other motor fuel excise taxes, motor vehicle registration fees and license taxes, operator's license, did it, did it, did it, did it shall be appropriate by the General Assembly to agencies and used solely for construction, reconstruction, maintenance, and repair of, and safety on, public highways and bridges, and costs and expenses incident thereto, and shall not be diverted by transfer or otherwise to any other purpose. Construction, reconstruction, maintenance, and repair of safety of public highways and bridges. Then, why? Why are they spending on a public transit? Is a septa bus a highway bridge? Is Atlanta bus a, a, a bridge facility? a safety facility? Beats me. I don't know. All right, you know, we're on the home stretch now. Let's just jump right up to Article nine, section five. Quote, "The general Assembly shall not authorize any municipality or incorporated district to become a stockholder in any company, association, or corporation. This one would be funny if it wasn't so sad. Remember all the underfunded teacher pensions that's been in the news for the last, what, 20 years that the legislature refuses to adequately address? Last I heard, it was over $20,000 liability per Pennsylvania citizen to pay it off. And you know what caused that pension crisis? Somebody ignored this section and invested teachers' pensions in the stock market. So when the big crash came in the early 2000s, all of a sudden, we have a pension crisis, and it's still with us today. You know, I talked to an attorney about this one, and he says, Oh, no, 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 this doesn't apply, because the teachers' pension fund is a private fund. Well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Teachers work for state-sponsored school districts. They're state employees, So the retirement plan must be public too, right? Well, all right. I'm willing to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. Let's say he's right. Just for the sake of argument, let's say he's right. The pension fund is private. But if it is private, why are we taxpayers on the hook for it? It just doesn't follow. It doesn't stand up against logic. It boggles the mind, as Irv Homer used to say, my predecessor here on WWDB. Now, do you see why the Pennsylvania Constitution is not being taught in the schools? If people knew the power they have or about the games our elected officials play with us, the legal gravy train would come to an abrupt halt. They would have to admit that you have the rights they don't want you to know about. They would have to answer for their unconstitutional acts. Our unelected Board of Education would have to answer to the people why they hid our rights from our children and from us and why they continue to hide them to this day. They control the schools. They control the curriculum. They control the teachers. Yet they don't teach the Constitution to our children. I can't wait for them to apologize for not doing their job. Do you think they will? Of course not. No one's going to apologize for hoodwinking us. Nothing will change. Which leads me to the last one that I saved for last. Article 3, Section 14. The General Assembly shall provide for the maintenance and support of a thorough and efficient system of public education to serve the needs of the Commonwealth. Makes you wonder what the needs of the Commonwealth are. I say this one for last because it's the basis of something that really, really sticks in my craw, dangerous government education and how to stop it.
1: The following is in a commercial announcement.
0: Hey, Duty, how's it going? Eh
1: could be better. Why? What's the matter? I just found this great job, but I can't take it. Why not? Uh, They want me to go as a 1099 contractor. So? So, what about all the taxes? You know, the federal taxes, state taxes, this tax, that tax? I have better things to do than figuring out all the tax laws and filling out all those forms. I am a libertarian, remember?
0: Well, then you need Amendment 16.
1: Uh, Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place.
0: No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you. Minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's I mean, come <laughs> April 15th.
1: And they take care of all the taxes, all those forms?
0: Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too.
1: Huh. Sounds perfect. Where do I find them?
0: On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. That's amendment com. One call does it all.
3: You've been a registered Libertarian for years, voted for Libertarians even longer, and lived by Libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the March Toward Liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for local political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit LPPA.org to sign up today. That's LPPA.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting.
0: Hey, Ken Krawchalk here again, and welcome to the me portion of episode 22 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get to rant a bit about something that really sticks in my craw. Dangerous government education and how we can stop it. I personally encountered dangerous government education far too many times. As you may know, I had the honor of serving as the Libertarian Party candidate for governor of Pennsylvania three times over the last 20 years. And you know what one of the best parts of running is? They actually let me into the schools and talk directly to the students. How cool is that? In fact, the majority of the appearances that I've made over the years have been in various schools colleges, high schools, middle schools, even grade schools. And you know, the youngest class I ever addressed was the third grade class in Philadelphia. Some of the questions the kids had were pretty cute. Does it hurt your feelings when the other candidates pick on you? Aren't you scared being on stage in front of all these people? (laughs) (laughs) Questions like, as I say, cute, but I digress. But most of the students, they were teenagers, college students, young adults, And their questions were a lot more pointed and a lot more political, whether they were about abortion, the insane war on drugs, gun control, opioid crisis, and so much more. And you know, I considered myself very, very fortunate to be able to present to them the unvarnished truth. The truth that we can simultaneously save more babies and preserve a woman's right to choose. That the war on drugs is the direct cause of the opioid crisis. Tell them that gun control kills. Then they heard these truths, or the story behind them, or that the Libertarian Party has real, tested solutions, or that they, the citizens, as new voters, have a real choice at the ballot box. Speaking to all those students was a great gift for me and made it more than worthwhile for me to spend all that time running. But that wasn't the best part of running presenting the unvarnished truth. No, no. The best part wasn't in my speaking. It was in my listening. That's something they teach you in Toastmasters, too, how to listen. Because in all those appearances I made in all those schools, time and time again, I learned a basic truth. In virtually every class, I asked the same question over and over and over. And over and over and over again, I kept hearing the same answer. You know what the answer was? No, not 42 as Douglas Adams would say. The answer was silence, over and over and over again. Silence was the response to my question. What was the question you asked that consistently produced silence? It was this. How many of you have read the Pennsylvania Constitution? I felt like that economics teacher in the movie, movie Fervis Bueller's Day Off Bueller, Bueller, anyone, anyone? Why? Why did I feel that way? Because no one, no one has read the Pennsylvania Constitution. Have you? I'll ask.
1: I uh, have not. I did not. Josh,
3: wish. I certainly haven't.
1: No.
0: Nobody has. Was it taught in school? No, of course not. Before today, I bet you didn't even know we had one. You're just, correct. That's just the way it goes. If the thousands and thousands of students that I personally spoke to are any indication, I would bet the resounding answer is no. Plain, flat out, no. How did it come to this? Why the widespread, near-universal ignorance? Well, it's simple. The two old parties and their unelected Board of Education in Harrisburg have absolute control over our schools. As I mentioned earlier, they have control over the curriculum, the testing. They say what can be taught, what can't be taught, who can teach it, who can't teach it, what qualifications the teachers have to have, how many days you have to be in school, what are acceptable reasons for not being in school, on and on and on, law upon law, regulation upon regulation. And with all that power, all that control, they don't teach our kids the Pennsylvania Constitution. This is unacceptable. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. And we have come up with a solution to this one. It's an obvious solution. I'm surprised no one has attempted it before. What is that solution? It's obvious. It's simple. We simply ask the schools, please teach the Pennsylvania Constitution to our children. And when I say we should tell them that, I don't mean me and my shadow. I mean me and you. Yes, you. Dear listener, but don't panic, as Douglas Adams would also say, because I'm not asking much from you. You see, I've authored a petition asking the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Elections, and each of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania to immediately start teaching the Pennsylvania Constitution to our kids. It's up on our website right now at PennsylvaniaProject.com. I'm asking you, please, go to PennsylvaniaProject.com and sign it. I'm not asking you to pledge your lives, your fortune, or your sacred honor as the Founding Fathers once did when they were establishing this more perfect union. I'm only asking you to sign it. What does that petition say? I'm glad you asked. Let me read for you now our petition in support of teaching the Pennsylvania Constitution to our children. Quote, cough, quote. Whereas the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is one of the 50 sovereign states which joined together to form the United States of America via the agreement known as the United States Constitution. And whereas Pennsylvania possesses its own fine constitution, written in significant part by William Penn and Benjamin Franklin. And whereas Article 3, Section 14 of the Pennsylvania Constitution states, the General Assembly shall provide for the maintenance and support of a thorough and efficient system of public education to serve the needs of the Commonwealth. And whereas... The overwhelming majority of students emerging from Pennsylvania's government educational system have never heard of, let alone read or been taught the contents and plain meaning of the Pennsylvania Constitution. And whereas the Pennsylvania Constitution is not mentioned anywhere in the Master Plan for Basic Education published by the Pennsylvania Board of Education. And whereas a search of the Pennsylvania Board of Education website finds only one unused 17-year-old mention of any sort of curriculum regarding the Pennsylvania Constitution. And whereas none of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania are known to provide any detailed study of the Pennsylvania Constitution, and whereas knowledge of the Pennsylvania Constitution and how it operates is crucial to maintaining a free and independent society, and whereas knowledge of the Pennsylvania Constitution and how it operates is crucial to making intelligent decisions at the ballot box and in the legislature, and whereas time and time again the plain meaning of numerous provisions of the Pennsylvania Constitution is being ignored. Therefore, we, the undersigned, call upon the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each of the 501 school districts, cyber schools, and charter schools in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania to immediately investigate, institute, and implement a detailed curriculum regarding the Pennsylvania Constitution, its content, its history, and its plain meaning. Unquote. Sound Good then run, don't walk, to our website, pennsylvaniaproject.com. Add your name to the list of signers, and every time we get another 1,000 signers, or maybe a month or two goes by, we're going to send an updated copy to the governor, to the Pennsylvania Board of Election, and to each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, demanding, demanding that William Penn's legacy no longer be ignored. Do it now, right now, while it's on top of your mind. Go to the Pennsylvania Project, to PennsylvaniaProject.com. Be part of this historic shift. People wonder why nobody votes. You know, the last governor election, what do we have? 38%, 37%. One out of three. Presidential election was a little higher last year because the, the stakes were higher. The primaries, what is it, 10%, 20%. Nobody votes. Civic virtues seem to have vanished Do you ever think there may be a connection between the fact that they're not taught how their government operates and the fact that people just aren't paying attention to the law anymore? Maybe it has something to do with, I don't know, why Bernie wants to have EPA pay for digging up his driveway. Maybe it has something to do with this guy who killed poor Deanna. Maybe he wasn't aware of it either. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that we don't know that we have the right to all these different things. How many things did I list? Twenty twenty. I should have counted them. Must have been 20, 25 places where they're violating, clearly violating the Constitution. And the reason why? Because you don't know. I didn't know. I didn't read it until I was in my 30s. I didn't know you had one until I decided I was going to get involved in politics. So do it. Do it now. What's on the top of your mind? Go, go to PennsylvaniaProject.com. Be part of our historic shift. And you know, to make it easier for you to remember, I'm going to end today's episode right now. So on that revolutionary note, let's wrap it up for episode 22 of the Pennsylvania Project. If you have something to say, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com and you can hear us there too, as well as on iTunes and other popular podcast providers. And don't do that until after you sign the petition, PennsylvaniaProject.com. That's what it's all about. That's our solution. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting at, broadcasting at 10 a.m. every Saturday morning at 860 a.m. in Philadelphia, and released as a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley. Marketing guru is Conor Dragotis. Featured Toastmaster narrators is Dodie Preston and her son, Josh. Thanks for being here, guys.
1: Thank you. Thanks.
0: Keyboard wizard in the background you're playing, Joe the Pag, our radio producer who does a great job, Brett Kronberger, executive producer Mark Bizzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem.